show set. Oh, it is amazing to be with you, Chicago. For our Men in Blazers All-Star Craptacular. Yeah, but Rog, we are not in the crap part of Soho today. No, Dave, we have finally made it here to the city and state tattooed on John Brooks's right elbow. <laughs> First time I met Johnny Brooks, it was back in the John Anthony Brooks days. I asked him, what is that? And he goes, Illinois. <laughs> Jay Brooks, huge. Sujan Stevens fan. <sighs> but let's kick this show off in a way that Senator Kid Rock would approve of. Dave Oak, the national anthem. The national anthem. Give a warm Chicago broad-shouldered welcome to Mr. Jimmy J.J. Jeter Jr. That's a lot of J's, Rog, five of them, fresh off the stage of Hamilton at the Private Bank Theatre, Chicago. Have you heard of it? Have you heard of it? It's that musical. It's that musical by the Hamilton Academicals. Yep. Take it away. J.J. J.J. Jr. J.J. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming whose but stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight. O'er the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets regular the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the J, 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 J. Oh, Junior, what a gent. What a venue this is, the esteemed Harris Theatre <sighs> for MLS All-Star Week. Mikhail Baryshnikov has danced on this stage. <laughs> Renee Fleming has sung here. And tonight, we're going to sully it with our crap. You know, we normally actually pod to an audience of half-awake producer J-Dubs and a totally bored producer Lexi. But not tonight. Tonight we feast with you, our friends. Let's hear it from all the GFOPs on the floor. Producer Lexi! Right. 
everyone, stand up. Stand up. Stand Get up, ready. Chicago. Okay. Is everybody ready? One more. Producer Lexi. Producer Lexi. Oh, God. Don't, you're all in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Chicago, I've got yeah. to tell you, just being here makes my, make, makes my nipples tingle. Yeah. The bears, the balls, the fire. The balls! <laughs> so, Rog, you properly love this city. I understand why. It is the place that has given the world Gale Sayers. Oh, the Kansas Comet. Gwendolyn Brooks. We real cool. Disco demolition. Burn, baby, burn! Oh. My favorite, Perfect Strangers. When you look at Balky now, you realize it looked like half the fire squad in your inaugural season. Ah, oh, Lubis Kubik, respect. I love that man. <laughs> Check center back, classy. Talking about that inaugural fire season, Rod, CJ Brown. Cool juice. Bill Murray. The only man who has inherent suave like that, Carl Beckerman. Yeah. The Billy Goat cheeseburger, 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 yeah, cheeseburger. Billy! Oh, Luke Longley, that's Davo with hair. Davo with hair. That's the real reason that you won that second three-peat Chicago. Luke Longley is the goat. Come on, give it up, Michelle Obama. It's Melania Trump's speechwriter right there. She is. Brian Erlacher. Wait. That's yeah, bad. Yeah, much better. Boldness is truth, Brian. Boldness is truth. Yeah. By the way, what the hell is he trying to like compensate for? That man has done it all. <laughs> I don't understand. I genuinely, when you've done it all, just be proud and bald like Brad Guzan. Come on, keep it Talking going. Talking of proud and bald, Rog, I think you're bearing the lead about you about exactly why you were so excited to be here. Chicago was the very first city you lived in in your life when you moved to America, Rog. Look at that. That's not actually Rog. That's a stunt kid he hired to make himself look so much cuter when he was younger. If you've read the second volume of my 12-volume autobiography, The Chicago Years, I first came here as a 16-year-old and I fell in love with the great Chicagoan, Studs Terkel. And the slightly less, but slightly less real, but no less influential, Mr. Ferris Bueller. <laughs> and under their dual thrall, I just came to this great city of yours like a sailor lured by sirens onto the rocks. And I spent the greatest summer of my life on the North Shore. I crashed classes at New Trier High School. I spent the summer on Highland Park Beach. I went to Old Comiskey. I had a chance encounter with Chicago Bear legend Sid Luckman. 
I went to the airport at 4 a.m. in the morning to welcome back my Super Bowl 20 winning Bears. They played at Wembley. And then I went to see them in a pre-season game. I crap you not. August 16th, 1986, Soldier Field. The Bears of Walter Payton and Jim McMahon welcomed the hapless Indianapolis Colts of Gary Hogaboom. And I was there, and unbeknownst to me, still was a 13-year-old Arlo White, same game. Yeah. There's his photo, same day. Little ginger mullet, never not cool, Arlo White, English Joe Dirt. The lengths, Rog, that you went to, to prepare your entire life's journey, just so you could ingratiate yourself to the crowd this evening in oh. Chicago. <laughs> Amazing. Little ginger mullet. I did. I fell in love with America that holiday. I really did. It's way of life. And I swore to myself one day I would live here, which I did right after university. I moved to Chicago. I didn't know where to live. I had no idea. I looked at a map. I was like, holy crap, Rogers Park. <laughs> and I moved there. I found it to be less a neighborhood, more an oasis of discovery and love and wonder. And even though I've moved east since, I will, be, I, I will crap you not. We're amongst friends here. There's not a morning I do not wake up and I kiss my wife. And I miss your city. Chicago in the cold of winter. There's no place I've ever felt more alive. So let's open up our first can of Guinness and toast Herbs in Horto, the magical kingdom of Chicago. Chicago. Your fine city. Cheers, cheers. There we go. Oh. I've had an interesting relationship with the city of Chicago too, but maybe we'll talk about that later in the bar. <laughs> okay, to Chicago, Rog, <laughs> to MLS's all-star game, and all who sail in her, Boaty McBoat Boat. We are going to celebrate all the things you love tonight, the city of Chicago, America, football, here's the big one, pies. Okay. We like to call them the four food groups. That reminds me, where is our Lou Malnotti's? I don't know, Dave. I'd honestly settle for some Garrett's popcorn. Where did that go? Oh, Sunil's got it under the table. There we go. Sunil. Thanks, Sunil. It's a taste of freedom. Our first guest, Rog, a man who knows a little something about this great city of big shoulders, Chicago. Mayor Daly. It's soccer culture. He spent his formative years just north of here in Palatine, P-Town. Not Mayor Daly. While his father led your Chicago Fire to two US Open Cups and 1998 MLS Cup glory. I was there in Pasadena. Just yesterday. During that time, this gent played for an equally storied Chicago club, Sockers FC. That's Sockers with a K, people. It was on field Sucker. in this very city where he honed his game to become one of the finest power-balled midfield generals this country has ever known. The world, actually. Wednesday night, he led the USA to Gold Cup glory <laughs> against all CONCACAF comers from all kinds of federations all over the world. We welcome to the stage the captain of Toronto FC and your US men's national team. Give a huge Chicago welcome to the one and only Mr. Michael Bradley! <laughs> Can we just say, it's phenomenal to be with you, Michael yeah, Bradley. Thanks for having me. It generally is. When I sit near you, I've got to be honest, I'm generally overwhelmed <sighs> by an all-too-rare feeling that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Which is... 
in this day and age, we need that. I also want to say congratulations on your Gold Cup glory. And, Thank you. Thank you. and your Golden Ball, which you don't want to talk about as a tournament's top player, which is really an exclamation point on an unbelievable eight months for you on the football field. This is an amazing statistic. In 14 hours of play under Bruce Arena, with this gentleman in defensive midfield, the US have conceded one open play goal. Wow. How, how do you understand it, Michael? I'm sorry? How do you understand that transition? I think Bruce and his staff have done a really good job. Um, obviously, the, the situation at the beginning of the year wasn't good. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about just this idea that at the end of at the end of last year, things had gotten away from us, um, both in terms of performances and, and obviously then some some bad results. And obviously, <clears throat> Jurgen pays with his job, which is never um, never what anyone wants, because ultimately it means that things aren't going well. Um, and, and we knew um, coming into this year, our backs were up against the wall and there needed to be real urgency. And from the beginning, Bruce and his staff came in in January and, and uh, set a really good tone and went, went about little by little trying to, to take everything that we're about and, and start getting it back to, to where it needs to be so that we can be, um, so that we can be the, the, the team that we have we've been on our best days, which is a team that people are proud of, which is a team that people uh, watch on, on TV or in the stadium and identify with. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, um, yeah, we're, we're still, we've got, we've got a ways to go still, but we're, we're, we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, it does feel like it's, the team is playing a style of football, which is a return to a lot of the values that we've come to adore in that US team. And, and one of those, as you just mentioned, is a sense of the hard work ahead. And after the final victory and the cup was lifted, the message from a lot of the players, and 15 of the 22 of them were MLS-based, which I think is significant, was that despite the success and celebration, this team has a way to go, as you just said, and will improve. When you assess where you are as a unit, what areas do you highlight as potential places where the team, the squad, can get better? I mean, more than just talking about one area, um, and, and this is even... To, to kind of go along with your question before, we, we talk a lot about this idea that when, when we get our blend right as a team in terms of our athleticism, our mobility, our football, our tactics, our determination, our commitment, our, our spirit, when, when that blend comes together in the right way, then we feel like we can step on any field on any given day and, and, and win. Doesn't matter. Against anyone. Against anybody. <laughs> but, but obviously what happens is our margin is not big at all and we, we understand that and so all of a sudden if, if across the board um, things start to come down a, a notch or two and, and um, all of a sudden our blend isn't what it should be then we're not we're not good enough yet to just be able to to walk onto a field and still think that we're we're good enough to to win on a regular basis and so you know as now we move into this this last part of qualifying and and hopefully um, into a world cup year 
we are, are trying to be a group that every time we step onto the field gets that blend um, as close to perfect as possible because we think that gives us a, a real chance to do some, some special things. Yeah, without a doubt. Talking about special things, it's as if you've read our script, Michael Bradley. <laughs> He, he does prepare. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually a little disappointed that there is a script. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. Michael. Oh. Michael. Oh. Yeah. That is I, a I've, lot of script. I've heard it's a lot about Men in Blazers. I've never actually watched. I'm sorry. But I, I assume. <laughs> no. You've dodged a bullet. You're a I, smart you've, man. You've I, dodged a bullet. I, you've I, dodged I, a bullet. I, 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 I just assumed there was no script. No, no, no. There no is, uh, not in the world with Roger Bennett, Michael. I can tell you that. Sunil Galati wrote this. <laughs> He's our script writer. And Sunil, next question from Sunil of New York City. <laughs> we, asked, we asked all our listeners a question. The next question is from a young man called Sunil, Sunil G. And he says, Michael, he says, Mickey. <laughs> he says, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my no, mind. No, that was Can you personal. relive together with Rog? One of my favorite moments of 2017. It was actually one of my favorite moments of 2017, Michael Bradley, which is both wonderful. And when I wrote this down, I also realized how pathetic it was because you did it. I just watched it on television, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a true statement of sadness about my own life and how passive I am. But my God, this is a tingler. I want to take you back like George Michael in the sports machine. Fuchikow. To June 11th, the sixth minute of the game. Michael Bradley's USA, playing Mexico. And a little place called the Estadio Azteca. And you, Michael Bradley, did this. Chicharito being harassed. Bradley's going to escape from Herrera. Bradley trying to chip on Michael Bradley! When you watch that, does, do you feel like you're watching yourself? Or you're like, holy crap, that guy. That yeah, poor guy. At, at, at this point, it feels like uh, five years ago. <laughs> John Strong's commentary on that goal, I think, will go down in legend. It's one of the finest pieces of commentary of all time. I, I paraphrase, but it was something like... That was pretty much what he said. Pretty much what he said. Okay, you've scored some big goals, Michael Bradley. Your equaliser against Slovenia in the 2010 World Cup springs to mind. Slovenians. <laughs> Slovenians still very unhappy about that one. But of all the goals you've scored, Slovenian economy's never I recovered. want to know what goes, what goes through your head in this moment? And how on earth, in that thin, high-altitude air, to prevent the ball from going about 20 yards high and wide over the bar? How did you keep it down with so little air in Mexico at elevation? Do you factor that in? Yeah, I, I, I did actually, and I looked at it from, from the other standpoint, which was I just needed to, I, I needed to catch, it per, catch it clean, you know, and that ultimately if I caught it the right way that the, the, the ball was going to really take off and that Ochoa was going to have no chance. Wow. Well, that happened. I mean, that, that was amazing. What was even more amazing, because to me that strike in American history, the full th kind of flown body of American history is right up there with Neil Armstrong's moonwalk. <laughs> it, it's better than the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad in Promontory Point, Utah in 1861, Rog. I, I don't think even Stephen A. Smith would argue with that, yep, Dave. But, I mean, the reality is, 
your body must be full of adrenaline when you score that kind of wonder goal. How hard is it to come back down to earth? I mean, the next time you're on the ball, you're not just overwhelmed by a desire to just try and like dribble through the entire Mexican <laughs> team Diego Maradona style. Come on! Yeah, I mean, look, the, the games against Mexico are special. Um, there's no two ways about it. The, there's no better game if you're if you're American than to play Mexico in in Azteca, and you know we had prepared in a really good way for that game. Um, we felt like we we like we liked our chances of of not only going there but going there and really coming away with a result. And we'd we'd watched a lot of video. We had watched uh, specifically the some of their movement that when Chicharito would come underneath, that in certain moments he was coming underneath to then lay a ball off first time for then uh, one of those midfielders to hit a ball uh, out wide to one of the wingers. Um, and so. Early on, I kind of saw it all develop and, and thought if I can, if I, if I could read it a little bit and find my way in there, that it might be a little, might be a chance to, to win a ball and, and get us out on a counter early on and um, stumbled onto the ball, took, a, took that first touch, took me, in, took, <laughs> no big deal, took me, took me into a decent spot. Um, and, and was able to was able to score. So was there something situational about it though? Because I know in all sports there are points of matches that you do things that you wouldn't do at another point of a match. Was there something about it being sixth minute? Was it something about being at the Azteca with the US of having been a little bit backs against the wall during qualifying that you took that shot? I'm sure there have been points in your career where you've had an opportunity to do that and you thought. No, nah, won't try that. Just lay it off to the side. I'll lay it off. I'll lay it off. Was there something situational about it? Yeah, I mean, the, the way the ball, after I took the touch, the way the ball sat there for me, um, mm. you know, we were, we had been defending our own half, and, and w when I won the ball in that way, it wasn't like there was anybody really up there with me. I think Bobby, was, Bobby Wood was off to my left, but at a certain point, I, I, I looked quickly and saw two or three Mexican shirts and, and Ochoa, and I'm not a dribbler, so I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't trying to dribble myself into any trouble. So I thought I saw a show off his line, and I thought, uh, why not? Bobby didn't yell at you when you took the shot, did he? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> we'll have to ask Michael Bradley, not a dribbler, not you know, a dribbler. I gotta say, you coming to Chicago, like for me, it's a homecoming of sorts. I mean, you moved here when you were ten. Your dad, the mighty Bob Bradley. Yes. Here for Bob. Come on, Bob. Come on, Bob. This took over the inaugural season, Chicago Fire, his first season as a pro, as a head coach. You played with the Chicago Soccers at the time, the Mighty Blues. Let, I mean, let's look at you, laying waste to all those who dared challenge you. Mmm, hair. You know, you once told me that you were a soccer rat you described yourself in this, uh, at this age. You would stick around practice, play with anyone, boys older than you, younger than you, girls' teams. How did growing up here in Chicagoland shape your mentality as a football player? You know, the weather, savage, the conditions challenging. Do you draw a direct line from your Chicago experience to your own mental toughness? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think... Obviously, growing up, we we moved at different times. We moved a lot because it, uh, my dad get a new job, and there'd be a new team, and 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 we'd be off. And I was lucky enough to live in places where there was uh, there was diversity. There was um, a, a real uh, 
blue collar mentality and a and a willingness to to work, a willingness to to deal with uh, with whatever get got thrown at you. And you know, when we moved here, when we moved here to Chicago, we we lived in in Palatine, and pr pretty pretty early pretty early on, uh, my dad took me over to to the soccer the soccer's yeah and. Dave Richardson, who who's still there, the president. Yeah. Um, after after one of the first few days, you know, it was in the middle of the winter, and you know, they had the two the two indoor fields over at uh, at the time it was called Soccer Enterprise. I think it's called Soccer City now, it, it, right? Soccer yeah. City. Yeah. Branding. It's, yeah. And and and. After a day or two, he kind of he said, "Listen, we're here every day, so you can come whenever you want." And and when he told me when he told me that I'm not sure he knew exactly what he was signing <laughs> up for, because I was literally there every day. You know, my uh, my mom would pick me up from school and she'd drop me off, and I'd be there from 3:30 or 4 to to 7 o'clock. And Dave was Dave was amazing. He'd find uh, you know obviously my team would have training on on different days, but on on days when my team wasn't there, I'd train with older older kids. I'd, uh, you know, I'd literally hop into any training or any game that I could, and it, it had been so easy at some point along the way for, for David or, or Batata or, or some of these guys to say, uh, Michael, out of here. Um, but they, they kept letting me come back, and, and you know, that combined with the, the experience that I had of, of spending time around the fire and, and looking for any way that I, that I could to to be around that, whether it was cleaning shoes or, or fetching balls or a little bit of shooting at the end of practice. Um, I, I just wanted to be around it. And so, mm. you know, those those years played uh, played a big part for me. And that was an amazing team, the late 1990s, that fire team. Okay, used to play against this guy and his Chicago Magic powerhouse. It's Brian Erlacher, <laughs> post hair transplant. What do you remember it's about those days? And who came out on top? What do you remember? Well, anybody, uh, anybody who's from Chicago knows that soccer's typically get the better of magic. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, in, in all seriousness, the, the games and the, the rivalry with, with, uh, with the magic in, in those years, and I know the, the, the youth soccer landscape has changed a little bit since, I've, since I left, but the, those, those were... Those were amazing games, you know. Mike Makovich ran, uh, did a great job with the Magic. They had a uh, a great club, um, and and honestly, it, it depended on the age as to which team was a little bit better, you know. And and as we got older, in certain moments, we'd see if we could poach some of the best players from Magic and bring them <laughs> over to bring them over to our side. And actually, we we were able to do that with Will Johnson. So uh -huh. he. Uh, Will Johnson started as a as a Magic player, and after we won a state cup or two, decided to come play for us, <laughs> and and he helped push us over the edge. We won regionals, and then uh, and, and got to got to the national championship once or twice. Um, but yeah, in terms of Brad, Brad was a year or two. Brad's two years older than me, so it wasn't. He's had a lot of work done. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like. Um, it, it, wasn't that I was playing against them all the time in some of the different indoor leagues and stuff. The when ages would get mixed together, he'd be, he'd be there. He was still trying to figure out whether he was a whether he was a goalkeeper or like a, a deep lying yeah. center midfielder. Yeah. Wow. Um, still trying to work it out. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Jermaine Jones, he's coming for you. Yeah. Um, I want to bring it back to the present. Talking about Brad Guzan, 
I mean, this is a massive year for you and your team, Toronto, who lead the Eastern Conference five points ahead of a certain Chicago Fire. You're doing well. You're doing well. Be gracious in victory, guys. On the international front, you've got World Cup 2018 less than a year away. When your head hits the pillow, and I've got to be honest, I imagine Michael Bradley's pillow, in my imagination, is a rock. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of keep it real. What, what, what do you think about in terms of the next 365 days, your goals? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that far ahead that often. Um, obviously, it, it's... I a, do. Yeah? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, you have no idea, Michael. <laughs> it's exhausting. Um, you know, it's it's important at different times throughout the year to obviously take the time to to think about where you are, where where things are headed, what you what you want to do, what your you know goals, um, ambitions. But on the day to day basis, for me, it's about. Uh, the next game, you know, get myself ready for training the next morning, enjoying that. Um, you know, it's such a basic thing, but honestly, I, I, in, I love what I do, and, and I enjoy uh, every morning just this idea of, of getting up and, and being able to drive into training and spend time with the guys in, the, in and around the training ground, go out, train, um, and, and ultimately then the, what it means then as you move forward in a week and getting ready for a big game. Uh, and so, look, at the moment, Real Madrid on Wednesday, um, obviously, the, we all understand it's a, it's a friendly game. But having said that, you, everybody wants to be sharp. Everybody wants to, to, to play well. Um, and, and, and we know they'll be the same. And then after that, we have DC United on Saturday. And that's, uh, that's are, a big one for are us. Are you telling me that you have never once gone to sleep, Michael Bradley, <laughs> and dreamed about you, Michael Bradley, being awarded the 2018 World Cup by Vladimir Putin in Moscow. <laughs> 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 Not gotten there yet, no. Can I do all the bloody Rod, time? Rod has had that dream repeatedly for the last year. Repeatedly David, make for a the toast. Last year. Okay, let's make a toast to you, Michael Bradley. So I like to think of you, the American Jason Statham. <laughs> you kick ass. Yeah. And in doing so, you make all those around you feel both safe and full of hope. We wish you a year of health, happiness, and glory. To Michael Bradley. Okay, Rog, let's keep it going. Our next guest may be the only English-born person who loves America as much as you love America, Rog. He is a pacey, powerful striker whose relentless harassment of opposition defenses has made him one of MLS's most feared attackers. Less than one week ago, he made headlines when Sporting Kansas City dealt him to Orlando City, a move that he said felt like going home. That comes on the heels of his debut for the U.S. men's national team, for which he became eligible after officially becoming a citizen of this great nation. See, Rog, paperwork, nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> we welcome to the stage a man born in West Sussex, 
but bred to wear the stars and stripes. A gent who tallied two goals in his first two US games from Orlando City by way of Kansas City, by way of West Sussex, the one and only Mr. Dom Dwyer. <laughs> Oh, oh, God. Dom Dwyer, welcome to Chicago. Don't worry, you've not been traded here. It's great to be with you. It really is. I'm sitting with a great American <laughs> in a great American city. And as I've always said about you, you can't spell freedom without dumb. <laughs> Take us back to that D-O-M. Do you get it? <laughs> D-O-M. I can't believe you got a laugh from that one. Well, no. I'm, I'm, I said I was going to do this at some point. In the he's going to the bathroom. Can I just say, we're just uh, kind of like... Oh, yeah, he's climbing the ladder. Dave-o, Dave-o. Um, oh, that was pathetic, mate. You meant to fall right to the top and then plummet in a horrific fashion. Catch another bit of popcorn. Um, when I did the freedom thing, we were just trying to workshop... Um, <laughs> Don Dwyer for Senate 2024 messages. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to you on that one. But you've got to describe the American place, special place, a town called Hope, Cuckfield, West Sussex. What's it like? Describe Cuckfield for us, Don Dwyer. Honestly, I don't think I've ever been to Cuckfield, um, apart from when I was born. I was God, born, in, yeah. born in the hospital, yeah. But yeah. don't trust the internet, I'm telling Go you. <laughs> You actually, you actually born in Orlando, Florida, right? Yeah, all that, born and raised. <laughs> yeah. On Amelia Street, downtown. <laughs> Were you born in, did you grow up in West Sussex? Uh, yeah, I grew up in um, West Sussex and I went to Norwich when I was about nine. <sighs> wow. And then uh, Dreamy back of to America London. how? Like, what were the images? Of, when I grew up, it was like Heart to Heart, The Love Boat, Cagney and Lacey, Different Strokes. All that crap that came through. I had a poster of Debbie Gibson above my head <laughs> on the wall. What, what, Ameri what America did you grow up imagining, Dom? Um, you seen the movie American Pie? Yeah. That was it. Pie, no, no wonder you became a citizen, Dom. <laughs> no wonder. No wonder. But was that like America? What did America mean to you when you were a kid? We grew up dreaming of America. I'm sure you did too. Yeah, I think it was the same thing. Um, I mean, it was obviously a long, long time after you, but, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, yeah. we were born in the 17th century, yeah. Dom. We had a po I had a poster, life-size, of George Washington above my yeah. bed, <laughs> and he was still alive. Uh, Go on. But no, it's, it's definitely a country, you know, you can, you can live the dream, as you say. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was, I don't know, it's, it's an awesome lifestyle you can live out here. Um, and, you know, it's a country I've, I've learned to love. Brilliant. It certainly, wherever you grew up in West Sussex, it's a world, and then Norwich, and then Norwich, and now from Norwich, it's the quiz of the week. They used to do Sail of the Century from Norwich when I was a kid. It's always what I think of with Norwich, Sail of the Century. Uh, but this March, you did something Rog has wanted to do for a long time. You just can't handle the paperwork. You became an American citizen. <laughs> We're going to play some footage of your ceremony behind us. This act paved the way for you being able to compete for the US on a football level, on a soccer level. But was there more to it than that, on a personal, emotional level? Do you feel differently at all now that you're an American? Um, I don't know if I feel differently, um, but it was definitely more of an emotional day than I thought it was gonna be. Um, you know, obviously with, you know, I had a lot of people coming up to me and saying, you know, we're proud to have you and, and to be a part of our country. Um, and, you know, for, for people who are from the US, that's, that's pretty cool to hear, so. Yeah. 
I appreciate that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a box that you tick when you apply for an American passport? Do you want to receive information from Homeland Security by email? Tick. Do you want to play football for Bruce Arena USA? Tick. Because <laughs> I would tick that box harder than Brad Bloody Friedel. But <laughs> July 1st, you made your debut in East Hartford, Connecticut a pre-Gold Cup friendly against Ghana. Another one of my favorite sporting moments of the year. You, me, an Englishman, watching you, Dom Dwyer, singing the American national anthem. Here's a photo that I took off my television. They had you on for, <laughs> they had you on for 0.8 seconds. But I cried when I saw this. When this happened, genuinely, when I watch this, an Englishman who adores America in a US jersey on the 4th of July weekend. To me, it's all that's great about this nation, to be candid. What, what, what I want to know is, how the hell did you do that and then go and play a game of football? Because it must have felt overwhelming. I mean, it, honestly, it was a lot. Um, but I think <laughs> it really was. But I think it's all, it gives you energy. Um, you know, it's, I, was, I was very passionate and I wanted to show that, you know, this country's gave me a lot. And I really want to give something back. Um, and obviously, I can, I can do football better than most things. So, or yeah. soccer, I should say now. Yeah. Um, but well, you wasted no time doing soccer, uh, <laughs> Dom. Just 19 minutes into that game, this happened. But Viafani has got the better of it. And the chance fell to Corona and Dwyer! He feels a whole lot more American now. I love that celebration. You look just like English-American Diego Costa. <laughs> I've actually seen Diego Costa miss that goal three times for Chelsea last season. It's amazing. Well, it's harder finish than it looks. That was, a, uh, that was a nice finish, Dom. You did it again in your second game, a 1-1 draw with Panama to open the Gold Cup. The US ended up winning the group, going on to beat Martinique 3-2 and then getting the three goals it needed against Nicaragua, despite... Here we, here we go. A, okay, despite, <laughs> despite missing a penalty I did in see that your tweet, game. you bastards. <laughs> you, you meant, you're meant to play it like Michael Bradley and pretend you don't watch our crap. <laughs> you, logged, you logged very strong performances. You scored twice. I was very confused. I want you to help try and clear up my confusion that you were one of the six players sent home for the knockout rounds. How was that explained to you? How did you make sense of it? How can you make sense of that for us? Um, I mean, I don't want to get myself in trouble here. Good. So. No we one won't let you. No, we won't no, let you. No one's watching this. Yeah. <laughs> Just Good us point. girls, Tom. Um, but basically, uh, you know, Josie and, and Clint Dempsey were coming in, um, and I played three of the four games so far in camp, so I, I realized I'd probably get a little bit less playing time. Um, and, and Bruce discussed with me and said that, um, you know, he was going to send me home and that my coach, uh, Peter, wanted me back. Um, which is interesting because he doesn't want me anymore, but... <laughs> 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 so I, I hope to believe him, but I don't know. Want you back? Want you back? <laughs> Keep going. I'm an honest guy. Yeah, he Sometimes. wanted you back. No. Because lockers don't clean themselves out, do they? <laughs> um... <laughs> I mean, you did. You, you, you returned to Kansas City. <laughs> I got... <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> the city that Oklahoma Joe's built. Oh, Oklahoma Joe's. To which your wife, the great Sid LaRue. The great Sid LaRue. 
There you are. That's a proper man. Smart man. She'd only just moved there in January 2016. <laughs> and in a blockbuster trade, you move to Orlando, a team that you have a remarkable relationship with and a, a, a true tradition with. But where were you when you heard about the trade? I mean, set the scene. Who called you? How did you live it emotionally? Um, you mean who called me? or yeah. who? How did it go down? Um, I mean, it's, it's a bit odd. Um, you get a phone call. It's like, um, you know, maybe you're going to be traded here and there. Um, and I'd, I'd read all the rumors. I'd seen all the rumors online. Um, and that happens who calls a lot. You? Your agent calls you or you get sort of an 800 yeah. number you don't recognize on your phone. Like, what is it? What happened? Yeah, Some little Galati. <laughs> it's a bit of both. Um, yeah. He's got a huge map <laughs> of America with tanks and things <laughs> moving them around. Choppers. I love it. Uh, well, I mean, I was, um, I was picking splinters out my ass on Saturday um, yeah. in Salt Lake, so I realized at that point it was probably not good for me. You know, from the bench, you sit on... Yeah, I know. You get a different view. You get a different view. Now, I love Orlando. It was the first city I moved to when I came to this country back in my tennis days. Back in the Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, Reggie Theus days, actually, they took in the expansion draft. These are old Orlando magic references, uh, Dom. It's a city that adores its football. It adores its soccer. But you arrived at the Orlando airport, MCO as we call it locally, to scenes. Honestly, that's amazing. It's reminiscent Man. of the Beatles' arrival at JFK in 1964. And as John Lennon said, Dom Dwyer, you are bigger than Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Navas. Yeah. <laughs> Orlando, currently in the race for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. You once told me your ethos, and I love this. It's a code to live your life by. You said to me the first time I met you, you said, if someone tells me not to do something, I'm the kind of person who's just going to go out and do it. That's about right, yeah. That is a code to live I'll try by. at least, anyway. <laughs> so what was that like, arriving at the airport and witnessing that? It was mad. Um, you know, I expected about 10 or 15 people to be there. Um, Homeland nothing... security, mostly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> nothing like that. Um, but I think they probably thought I was going to bring my wife. So that's why they were showing up. <laughs> They're all there for Sid. Yeah, They're exactly. there for all your baby. Oh, my baby, yeah, exactly. <sighs> If Jason Christ is listening, by the way, and he's a great friend of the pod. Loves it. All you need to do, Jason, just send this gentleman out onto the field and say, whatever you do, don't score goals. Yeah. You're going to score a ton of goals in Orlando, Dom. Don, your story is remarkable. It's yeah, incredibly it's... inspirational for us to kind of lay about who kind of have lived a life. You, you've lived a... We arrived and we've lived a life in America like Yentl. You've lived more of a Scarface <laughs> kind of rise and rise and rise, David. So can we raise a glass? Speak, speak for yourself, Rog. Uh, but you moved to America as a teenager to play junior college ball in Tyler, Texas, your own personal equivalent of Last Chance U. You. You've risen all the way into the pro game, and now the U.S. men's national team. There's two, English football, two Englishmen who love football, love soccer. We love America. We really do. Honestly, you are like a symbol for us. You mean a lot. We raise our glasses to you and your family, Sid, Cassius too. Everybody, please stand and cheer. Dom Dwyer. Full Thank you very much. Living the American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, Dom Dwyer!
Oh, I love that man. He's amazing. Amazing, Rog. He's, he's living the life that I thought one day. Still think one day. At what point did you think that? And for what possible reason do you still think that? Neck tattoos. <laughs> okay, the team that Dom and the MLS All-Stars face Wednesday night, the mighty Real Madrid, amazing. Fresh off Saturday night's El Clasico Miami Vice edition. It's like a Civil War reenactment. Yeah. By the way, how did Ray Hudson's like, brain not just explode having him, having him like, play on the doorstep in his home state, David? Yeah, amazing stuff. Real Madrid come off a season in which they won La Liga and became the first team ever to win back-to-back big-boy European crowns in the Champions League era. Never won the US Open Cup, though. No, they never have. <laughs> They've won three of the last four Champions League trophies, 12 in their history. So it makes perfect sense that they would visit Chicago, a city that knows a little something about dynasties. Oh, game recognises game. One of the greatest seasons I've lived in my entire life. The 72 and 10, 1996 NBA champion Chicago Bulls. Can I hear it for Tony Kukoc, people? Just ahead of Cruz and Basil on my list of favourite Tonys who spell their name with an I. Before the mighty MLS All-Stars tangle with Los Blancos, we wanted to celebrate the Spanish champions with Sky Sports La Liga analyst and former Spain international, Gaiska Mendieta. <laughs> As two of the most suboptimal balls on television, Gaiska, we ascribe to the theory that greatness recognizes greatness. And in that spirit, we want to take the opportunity of you being here with us to do a deep probe. <sighs> David loves deep probes. Love it. This one's going to be a bit different from your usual, mate. <laughs> it's going to be a deep probe into the similarities between the 2017 Real Madrid team, the most feared team in club football, apart from Toronto FC, and the 1996 Chicago Bulls starting five, a lost merengue's ball converter, if you will. Dave, take okay, her away. So here's how it works. We're going to show you the five starters from that amazing Bulls team, one at a time. We'll describe each one of them to you, and then you're going to tell us which Real Madrid star it calls to mind. Which one, which, so which Chicago player, once we describe his qualities, compares to which Real Madrid player? Well, you got it? Uh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> we're going to try it. Okay, let's start. Ron Harper. Number nine. Now, Ron Harper. Ron Harper was the point guard of the team, a man who sacrificed his individual skills and glory for the good of the collective, dedicating himself to the intangibles and defensive duties that make everyone else on the team better. Guys, Kurt, which Madrid player does he remind you of, Ron Harper? The way you describe it, I'd say probably Cruz. Oh. oh. No? Why? Yeah, because of that, I think he does a lot of uh, sacrifices because Modric sometimes shines over him, but I think he's key in that midfield in the way he defends and attacks and controls in the passing that he, that he unlocks 
defenders and, and midfielders. Tony Cruz, dependable, understated. Only the most passionate fans truly understand how brilliant he really I think, is. I think so, yes. Because people obviously, Ronaldo, Benzema, Bale, but not many people actually talk about uh, him the, the in collective. the way that he deserves. And yeah. he understands the collective. He reads the game so, so well for me, yeah. Okay, let's move on. Next, a man that we love, the aforementioned Luke Longley. <laughs> Perth, Australia's <laughs> finest. A man who Rog actually interviewed in one of the most bizarre and surreal Men in Blazers podcasts of all time, which is saying something. It was 40 minutes of Luke Longley just explaining to me how he once got stung on the ass by a scorpion. <laughs> so, so Luke Longley, the center, huge big body, a presence in the paint, in the middle. He loved a bit of contact. That's an understatement. <laughs> which Madridista does that remind you of? The enforcer in the middle. Should be Benzema, I think. I think the way he he fixes defenders to allow, in this case, normally Ronaldo or Bale to find these spaces and going beyond and going forward and creating chances for them. I think if it wasn't for him, Ronaldo didn't get so many chances and mm. he could get more goals from himself than actually he does. Mm. Benzema can also drink 18 cans of Foster after the game day. <laughs> like Lou Longley, on to the next. Yeah, Benzema might be a little smoother in the club than Luke Longley. Okay, Dennis Rodman, the worm. The Secretary of State. The power forward, now known for his North Korean ambassadorial diplomacy. But back then, he was peerless on the defensive end. Ripped down a staggering 14.9 rebounds per game that season. That, combined with his chameleon-like hair and ubiquitous tats, made him a player every non-Chicago fan hated but would have welcomed onto their own team. Geiske, which Madridista does he remind you of? We're the talking on, on the pitch now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, it should be, I think, uh, Sergio Ramos. Oh. Uh, yeah. 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 Tattoos. I want him on my team. Everybody I want him on my like team Sergio on the time, Ramos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, both have affinities for losing their shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, David. Okay. Scotty Pippin, my favourite. Scotty favorite. Pippin. Crockett. Had Tubbs, Bert had Ernie, I've got Rog, Michael Jordan had Pippin, the best right-hand man the NBA has ever seen. He could score, he could defend, he was a star in his own right, even though he wasn't the leading man. Geiska, who is his Bernabeu equivalent? I think I'll go for Marcelo. I think... <sighs> yeah. The man. The way he's, he's a defender, but he's a midfielder, it's a winger, it's, he does everything, he creates a number on midfield, on, on, at the front, and for me, it's another player that hmm, I wouldn't take. Like, yeah. Handles for days, David. Let's yeah. go to the goat, is Ernest. Michael Jordan. Yes. What can be said about this man? A six-time NBA champion, a five-time league MVP, a once-in-a-lifetime powerball. That season, he averaged 30.4 points a game. Everyone under the age of 25 is looking at that photo and wondering why we're talking about that guy from the crying Jordan meme. <laughs> he was a good basketball player once, kids. Okay. Let's have it. Who's it going to be? It's got to be Benzema, right? It's got to be... Casemiro. Casemiro, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goalkeeper. No, it's got to be Ronaldo. It's got to be... Cristiano. Yeah, Cristiano. Absolutely. Ooh. 
Yeah, he's the leader of the team, scoring goals and goals over and over the season in over and over and over games. <sighs> Brace yourself for Ronaldo, the Washington Wizards years. <laughs> Gonna be. What a year he had, though, Cristiano Ronaldo. Geiske, thank you so much for joining us. Godspeed to your La Liga brethren. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you in the United States. You've graced uh, our shores Genuine. without a doubt this summer. It's been amazing scenes. Good luck against the MLS All-Stars. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Buena suerte. Muchas gracias. Okay, Rog, something a little Bradley bit different, something a little different now. A special moment for one lucky Chicago GFOP in the audience, courtesy of Etihad Airways. Look, there is their uh, sign up there. There's their wonderful logo. There's the MLS shield. It's Hark, the Men in Blazers logo. It was carved by a seven-year-old out of a potato. Yeah. It's very yeah, beautiful. It's interesting. <laughs> interesting, that one. Okay, you all have had to sit through our crap wishing you were anywhere but here. But Etihad have made your dreams come true. They've generously agreed to give one of you here tonight in the Harris Theatre a pair of tickets to anywhere in the world that their airline flies. Anywhere in the world that their airline flies. Anywhere in the world that their airline flies. That's where I'm placed. Rules of competition do apply. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, they've just added a direct flight to Columbus. <laughs> Via Beirut. Frankie, Fra Frankie Hager flies that route. He, yeah, usually, with, usually he, without the plane, He Rog. does it without a plane. <laughs> yeah. uh, Columbus is beautiful this time of it year, is. Rog. Here is what we need you to do. We need everybody to stand up. Come on, everybody stand up. Now, check under your seat. Don't be afraid. One of you will find more than just someone else's discarded chewing gum. One of you is going to have a special boarding pass under their seat, quarter of, courtesy of Etihad. Who's got that thing? Nobody's sitting there. Who's got it? Who's got that bloody seat? <laughs> Has anyone got the bloody seat? No one got... Oh! We got a winner! Oh! We got a winner. Come on up. Come on Come. up. Come on up. You are going to negotiate peace in the Middle East on behalf of America. Joining us on stage, Patrick Pierce, the VP of sponsorship on the Etihad Airways. Come on up. All right, all right. Come here. Come and sit here. Come here. You're looking at Manchester City's new centre back. <laughs> okay. Amazing. So we've got the whole airline. So, what's your name? Uh, Robley. Robley! Which team do you support, Robley? 
Chelsea. Yes! Where are you, This was not fixed. It you was not take, fixed. <laughs> you had to say one friend with you anywhere in the world that this remarkable airline, and to be candid, a phenomenal supporter of football in this country are going to take you. So uh, now I'd like to hand it over to the, <laughs> Thanks, the, Raj. the most eloquent moment of the whole show. Yeah, that was seamlessly done, well, Rog. From the, yeah, done. from the Mike Pence of Etihad. Take it away. So, so Raj, we, we flew 15 hours from Abu Dhabi. Yeah. You, you're the one that sounds jet lag. Um, <laughs> but, but Every day. But not only does this flight not go to Columbus, it goes Roble to anywhere in the world. And it's also two business class tickets. So it's not just economy. What? So, so we, are, we are Etihad Airways. We're the proud partner of Major League Soccer. And we're thrilled to present tonight's show. So we'd just like to do one quick picture with you, Roble, if you don't mind. Yeah? Congratulations, look forward to welcoming you on board, yeah? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, role play. Okay, Roble, Roble, where are you going? Okay, Roble, amazingly, we have highlights of every goal you scored in junior soccer. <laughs> We're gonna go through one by one right now. Roble. In your inaugural season of the LA Galaxy, you started up front with Andrew Shue. <laughs> um, by the way, that gentleman, the VP of Etihad Airlines, just told me, he went to New Trier High School. No. <laughs> Whole world goes to New Trier, dude. Try okay, so Robley, Robley, where do you want to go? Who do you want to take? Take us through what's going through your mind right now. Uh, sounds like I'm going to London. No, you can go anywhere you want to go. Uh-huh. I'm you not sure yet. About it. Okay, think about it. If you decide to go to London, I'll throw in my Chelsea season tickets and you can go and see Chelsea. For sure. If you decide to go to London, but no pressure, <laughs> at good seats, but no pressure if you decide to go to London. But you can go anywhere in the world. You could go to Columbus. You could go to anywhere in the world. Roleplay. If you decide to go and watch Everton, I will throw <laughs> in give you the team. a cup of tea with my mother. And my Jerry Cura signed jersey. No pressure, David. We'll it out. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Roblay! Come on! Amazing. Might have been the highlight of the show, frankly. God, how the hell did we book Roblay? I gotta get tell him. you. He'll tell you, it's a tough booking. Fire. Don't try and get him for your show. Oh, his agent, his rider, the green M&Ms in the uh, dressing room. Very, very hard. Let's uh, get back to it, David. Bladders yeah, don't empty Thank themselves. you to Etihad Airlines. That was absolutely wonderful of them. Okay, our next guest, Rog. Yeah. I don't know if that's a clap for Etihad or our next guest. Well, uh, we're about to find out. A footballer whom this town has welcomed with open arms. Indeed, not since Balki Bar Takamus. 
has an outsider so, so move to Chicago. Balki Bartakamus has an outsider move to Chicago and savored the essence of this city more. His tireless running and tenacity in the tackle, oh, I love tackling, have long made him a favorite Balki. of soccer fans across this great nation. His resplendent ginger hair does not hurt either. He is like Ed Sheeran in Lullis. cleats. Ed Sheeran in cleats. Only bearable. This offseason, his trade from New York to right here in sweet home Chicago sent, sent shockwaves throughout MLS. Yet, it turned out to be the match that has set this season's fire transformation alight. We welcome back to the show for the third time a man who has lived a mid-career renaissance, having officially returned from international football's wilderness to rightly wear a USA jersey again from your hometown Chicago Fire. Give a huge all-star welcome to the one and only Mr. Dax McCarty. Oh, Dax, it's so you. good to see you, Dax McCarthy. It's yeah. good to see you too, man. In Chicago. Let's be honest. When you arrived here last January, after a shock trade, you were not the happiest. But what a remarkable season this has been. I mean, oh my God. Your Chicago fire. Roger's out of breath. resplendent <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. You already have four more wins this season than the team had the entire last campaign. <laughs> I mean, when I've tried, I, I, a lot of the time I try and think, how does Dax live the world right now? And the only person I think who's probably had your set of emotions is Rachel Lee Cook and she's all that. She's like, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, she's like doomed. And then she's shaking her hair down before the end and she looks so beautiful in that final scene. How have you lived that roller coaster emotionally, Dax? Lay on us. Are you trying to say I look beautiful in a red dress? <laughs> you look gorgeous. You always look gorgeous oh, to me. Well, but thanks, man. How has this been? Oh, it's been great. I just, want to, I just want to set the record straight. You know, when the trade happened, I wasn't upset about coming to Chicago. Love no. that city. Was more upset about having to tell my wife two days after we got married that she had to just basically uproot her life for me. That was a little bit more difficult, but uh, she was a trooper about it. And you know what? I, uh, I tried to just, uh, after a couple days of the initial shock, I tried to just attack it with straight positivity. And uh, I figured what a, way to, uh, what a way to be able to add to my career if I was able to come in and help Chicago fire get back to where they rightfully should be, which is at the top yeah. of the MLS. You're right. You're right. It's yeah, 1998 right. all over again. So Dax... You were the big splashy name arrival, but a young, innocent, not very well-known German also came to Chicago in search of his World Cup dream. Uh, I think his name is... A little, a little backpacker. I think his name is Bastian Schweinsteiger. How you Something like that. that. Uh, the two of you have become the fires version of Mike Singletary and Otis Wilson uh, in that midfield. Even though you are 30, you have said, I feel like I'm still growing as a player. What is it like playing alongside Bastion? And what exactly are you learning from him? Uh, it's fantastic. I don't know if anyone was uh, following the MLS Snapchat store today, but I took a picture of him and said he's the second best midfielder on the fire. <laughs> I'm, uh, no, in all seriousness, man, I'm, I'm learning a lot from him. He's, uh, he's an unbelievable guy. Uh, he's got fantastic character. And honestly, I mean, if you guys have never met him, everything that people hear about him, about 
you know, what a great teammate he is and, and just what a great person he is. It's all true. Mm. And then the other side of it, he's just, uh, he's a funny guy. You know, you don't really look at Germans and you're like, oh, they're not that funny, right? <laughs> but uh, he's, he's... Uh, Stereotype! I, I would, I would uh, equate him off the field to like Buddy the Elf. You know, he's always, <laughs> he's always cracking jokes. And then uh, when, you, when you get him on the field, when you get him on the field, you can't shut him up. He's always talking about X's and O's and this and that. And I'm like, listen, man. I'm just going to watch you play, and I'm just going to learn how to be a better player, all right? Let me do that. Dax, we love you. We love you for your grit. Oh, we you're love tackling. You for, you're we, tackling. We love you for your work rate. We love the fact that you love the taste of your opponent's blood in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not from El Salvador. <laughs> oh... Uh, all in good fun. You guys saw that. Come on. They did base the character of Euron Greyjoy on Dax McCarthy, though, but in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> what I admire most about you is you've got the mentality of a winner, an absolute and complete winner. I mean, Dax McCarthy teams, they win. Now, Dax, I'm a loser. <laughs> my, That's not true. My, no, no, no. Believe me. You, 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 there's moments in life you should try and be kind and, 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 and fabricate a, an alternative reality of the truth. But let's be honest, my head is full of self-doubt, fear, self-sabotage. Serious question. <laughs> <laughs> can I get a beer? That's aimed at the backstage. And also, can you describe what goes on inside of your head? Your inner visions. Your state of mind when you leave the tunnel and take on to that fear. What goes on? in this kind of top gun mind of yours? Uh, it's simple. Take no prisoners. That's it. Simple motto. And win, like you said. No, I mean, I think as I've gotten older, I, uh, I've realized that, you know, this career, it just flies by. It really does. So along with take no prisoners is uh, a sense of enjoyment. Step on the field every day and try to enjoy it like it might be your last because once you hit that 30 mark, you never know when it could be the end. So hopefully it's not for a couple more years for me, but uh, I'm trying to enjoy every minute. And obviously, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been quite the roller coaster this year, but I'd say there's been a lot more positives than negatives. I mean, <sighs> by the way, those are words to live by. Those are words to live by, whatever you do. I mean, you are a man who cares, Dave. He's a man who cares. The Red Bulls, that was a club that he truly cared about. Yeah, without a doubt. And that return, April 29th. April 29th. That was emotional for everyone watching. Can't imagine what it was like for you. Despite your silky assist in Amania, the fire fell 2-1. But after the match, you stayed until they shut the lights off to sign autographs and take selfies uh, with fans. Talk about the emotions you experienced in that moment. Wow, yeah. Look at this. I mean, honestly, like you guys said, that, that club... Uh, Every club that I've played for, actually, I've, I've got a little special place in my heart for, except DC United. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, man, but I, I, I feel, uh, you know, I feel like I'm just living my dream, and I feel very privileged to be able to do what I do, and I look at this career as I couldn't do what I do. I, I couldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for you guys out there and, and all the fans that come out and support us every day, so... Especially in New York, um, I, I really I, I had a connection with those fans. Uh, you know, I, I really tried to get involved in, in the community, get involved in the city. Uh, I lived in Manhattan. You know, it was it was uh, it was one of those situations where you, you just try to show the fans the love that they showed you that whole time. And so it was the least I could do. I actually 
I was getting in a little bit of trouble with my team. My coach was telling me to come inside because he wanted to give a team talk, and I was just like, come on, man, not, not now. You know, like, I, if I would have gone inside, then I didn't want people to leave and, you know, think, oh, man, Dax is letting all this get to his head. He's not the same, stuff like that, you know. So I, I just, I figured I'd stay out, and if I had to deal with the repercussions later, I would. But uh, they showed me a lot of love, and I'll always appreciate them. You talked about that you go full bore as a player, and we see that. We see you chase <laughs> down those balls. We see you going in for those tackles. Like you're we the Lee it. Catamol of Major League Soccer. I love it. <laughs> but good. <laughs> exactly, with talent. But, and you talk about finding enjoyment in the game. What is the part of the game that you enjoy the most? Is it the relationship with the fans? Is it? I think so. I think that's part of it. I think it's the relationship with the fans, and, and I think it's also the relationship with the, the guys in the locker room. Uh, you know, you, it's funny when, you know, you have, you grow up and you got your family members and all this, and, and you don't really ever find the connection that you have with your teammates with with anybody else I mean huh. it's a life that truly is unique very unique we're very blessed and very lucky to to live the life that we live but there's also a lot of uh you know there's a, a lot of sadness sometimes and a lot of things that happen that not many people understand but your teammates are your brothers you know they're there in the battle with you every day and you know f for fans when they they look at us and when we lose a game it hurts them but I can promise you it hurts us way more i promise you that because it eats at us whenever we can't be successful at least it eats at me and that's i think why i've had uh you know a, a lot of good relationships with the fans throughout the clubs that i played at is because they see that i really care about about winning and about losing and, and if i lose I'm, I'm no fun to be around just ask my wife she uh she won't talk to me for a whole day i mean it's so funny because the last time we had you on men in blazers middle of january camp for the u.s just days after your wedding Mazeltov again that's mccarthy <laughs> Thank you. You were, you were called into that U.S. camp. You'd not appeared for the U.S. since 2011. And despite the fact that you spoke to me, you've gone on to play seven more games. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderfully. And you appear to be in Bruce's plans. I mean, when I watch you play, to me, you're like 2017 version of Carl Beckerman with a slightly different approach to hair hygiene. <laughs> but having had the U.S. jersey taken from you for so long, when a roster's announced, how do you, do you, do you get nervous? Do you, do you have a belly full of fear? Do you feel like, how does it feel when a roster's about to be released inside of Dax McCarthy competitor? Honestly, it's, it's, a, feeling of, uh, it's a feeling of hope. You know, you, you always hope you're on that roster. And, and obviously for a number of years there, uh, I had lost that hope, quite frankly. Uh, I had lost the hope of, of being called in. I, I, I figured it didn't really matter how well I played. I just didn't really have a chance. And that's, that's the nature of sports, to be honest, is one coach's trash is another coach's treasure, you know? And so I'm not going to sit here and say I'm Bruce's treasure. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I, I will say that, you know, once the coaching change was made, I feel like a lot of guys that were kind of on the fringe of the national team, maybe they felt like they should have been there, weren't getting called in. I feel like it was a new lease on life, you know? And it was kind of that re, you're reinvigorated, so to speak, to be like, hey, maybe this is my chance. And so... Uh, I'm, th I'm really thankful for Bruce and, and his trust that he's placed in me. He's called me into every camp this year, which is obviously an honor. I'm trying to make up for lost time and just uh, get as many caps as I can before I, I have to call it a career. 300. More than 300 MLS appearances over 13 seasons. Take me through the evolution of Dax <laughs> as, as, a, as, as a soccer player, as a professional soccer player. What can you do well, now that you couldn't do before? 
I tell you what, for those of you who didn't know me back when I was younger, uh, I, I was more of like a number eight, like a two-way midfielder. I actually had talent going forward, which is amazing to think about, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, my evolution, it's funny, you know, I was, I was always more of a two-way midfielder, box-to-box midfielder, you know, could defend, could attack, you know, I tried to do it all on the field. Like, like Brett Guzem. <laughs> yes, yes, but with hair. On the Chicago yeah, Magic, yeah. he had hair. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, as, as, as I've gotten a little bit older, uh, coaches started, you know, to, to move me back a little bit. I think that's what happens as you get a little bolder, you know, the worse you are, you kind of get moved back more and more and more. And so I was like, ah, oh, crap, maybe I suck. But thankfully they stopped me at defensive mid and I kind of just, I, I kind of just embraced the role. And I, I, I really thrived under Hans Baca, Swedish coach for the New York Red Bulls. Say his and, name uh, again. Cause you clearly like saying his name. Hans Baca. So <laughs> yeah, he, he, he put me there and just said, listen, stay in front of the back four and, and, you know, Get the ball, do your job, defend. Uh, get the ball to the to the more talented guys going forward, <laughs> aka Thierry Henry. Um, yeah. So that was easy. That was exactly that was that was the easiest job I ever had was just to pass the ball to him and let him make me look good. So uh, yeah, I've 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 really embraced the role as a D mid, and I kind of I think I appreciate it more now that I'm older of how important that position is yeah, on the field. Yeah, it's not just tackling, it's not just protecting, it's the passing lanes, it's often the yeah. attack starts with you. It's Absolutely. Very yeah, it's, it's, it's a very... It's a role. Exactly, and I, I, I like being a D-mid because D-mids, you know, they maybe they don't get the credit that attacking midfielders and strikers and wingers get, and, and you know, obviously those guys, they make the big bucks for a reason. So, scoring goals is the hardest thing to do in the game, but I, I think defensive midfielders, if you ask anyone, they'll say, you know, defensive midfielders, if you're going to start a team, you want to start a team with a strong defensive mid, and so I look at a guy like N'Golo Conte, right? I mean, yeah. wins, the, wins the league with Leicester. It's his birthday today. Is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah it's it his birthday today. Oh, he shares a birthday with a legend, Michael Bradley. We're not, I don't know if you guys know that. We're not allowed to mention that. We're not allowed to mention that. N'Golo Conte's birthday today. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, I look at what he did with Leicester City, and then he goes to Chelsea and just... That's wins another thing. title. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It just I think it shows you how important that is. So it's a role that I love to play, and, and hopefully I can do it for a little while longer. I mean, you've got, you seem to be a, a guy that's going to go on forever playing football. Oh, I hope so. You are 30 years old. Benjamin Button. <laughs> 30, roughly 49 years younger than David and me. Yeah. You'll be 31 when the World Cup in Russia rolls around. I mean, at this point in your career, having been an outsider, looking in for so long, dreaming... A ginger Moses, unable to enter that promised land. <laughs> Allow yourself to dream for a moment, ginger Moses. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get that one started, by the way. Dax, oh, trying to get fantastic. it started. It's not even in the script. Um, <laughs> what would being on that plane to Russia mean to you? Yeah, it'd mean everything to me, honestly. Uh, I think the, the ultimate as a player, the, the mecca, so to speak, is, is to be able to represent your country on the biggest stage, and that's the World Cup. So... As a kid, you know, I went to World Cup games in 94. My, you know, my dad took me to games, and, and that was just something that I always had in the back of my head, that if I was lucky enough to be able to play the game, um, every player strives to do that. And I've been lucky enough to play with guys that have won the thing, which is crazy to think about. But huh. at the end of it all, uh, as a player, you want to have the chance to go. And, and you know, right now, I just, I'm trying to give myself the, the best chance of possible to be able to go to a World Cup. And we've got to qualify first, so let's keep winning those games and, and qualifying, and hopefully we'll make it. David. Okay, final question from me. A lot of Chicago sports fans in the audience. What message do you have for them, for this city, about the fire, 
and your understanding of how the second half of this season is going to play out. We're asking for a friend. Oh, asking boy. Asking for uh, a lot of friends. What I will say is please forgive us for the last two games. They weren't good. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, yeah, we – thank you. We, uh, we're, we're hungry. I think that's the message is we're, we're hungry for success. We're hungry to, to put the fire back at, in the elite company of MLS. And the only way you do that, I mean, look, we've had a good season up to this point. I think everyone would agree, but we're not satisfied. The only way you really truly measure a successful team is by trophies. And so we unfortunately, uh, we lost one of the trophies we were going for in the Open Cup. We still have two more trophies to play for, the Supporters Shield and the MLS Cup. And I promise you we will be uh, doing our darndest to try to win both of those. Absolutely. I've got to say, speaking personally, Dax, to me, you're an inspiration. You really are. You are proof that tenacity, determination, fearlessness are rewarded in life. And good looks. Yeah. Dax wrote this script. <laughs> I want to raise my glass. I want to wish you and your Chicago teammates... Godspeed for the rest of this season. Despite what you initially felt in that moment, that moment of trade, I can't think of a better fit for you than this Chicago team. A city whose broad shoulders really do match your own, Dax McCarty. To raise a glass to Dax! Dax! To Dax! McCarty! I love that man. Uh, one of my favorite, just to say, one of my favorite football players in the world we've ever interviewed. What a lovely, lovely, lovely guy. I wish he was playing on my team as well. Okay, our final guest, Rog. A man who at just 27 years old has 107 more caps and 39 more goals for the US men's national team than either of us. His goal us together, scoring mate. record for his current club is even more impressive. Since joining Toronto FC in 2015, he has found the back of the net every other time he takes the field. The one thing I don't understand about that, if I was his manager, I would only play him every other game. Yeah. <laughs> You're going on now, whatever your name is, which I can't say because David's going to carry on with the introduction. It doesn't quite work like that, Rog. Tonight, he arrives fresh off Gold Cup duty where his potent free kick in the final helped Bruce Arena and his merry band claim its sink. He believes trophy. Take that, CONCACAF. We welcome to the stage Jersey-born, Florida-bred, a man of whom, thanks to El Salvador, we now know has a girlfriend who does not like it when you grab his nipples. We welcome to the stage the one and only Mr. Josie Altador! Josie wants to take a photo, and when Josie wants to take a photo, just remember, remember Josie's free kick! We got it. Josie, 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 great to have you here. Holy great shit, it's Josie Altador! Can we just say what everyone's thinking? <laughs> my man. Oh, I've been working on my ventriloquism for weeks. <laughs> you, basically, you threw your voice all the way out there as well, Roger. Now, now what am I thinking? 
I'm thinking Mazel Tov on your Gold Cup victory. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Oh, this was your first. It's astonishing. Your first Gold Cup victory. You were, oh, yeah. This is when I read when I, I wrote this down. This made me weep. You were injured. 2013 Gold Cup. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cheers, yeah, Josie. Yes, Come on, do this. Are you ready? This is the worst drinking game in American footballing history. Here we other go. than Jeff A. Goose own goals. Here we go. Here we go. Are you ready for this? 2014, you pulled a hamstring 20 minutes into the World Cup. Drink. Oh, 2015, hamstring probs left the squad after the group stages. I forgot yeah. about that one. Yeah. That yeah. 2016, Copa America, Anniversario, yeah. hamstring injury. Hamstring, hamstring. As a player, we've got to drink. So. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Josie, my bladder is not thanking you at all for this. <laughs> <laughs> As a player, I mean, you are a competitor. Anyone who knows you yeah. senses that within minutes of being in your company. When you win the Gold Cup, where does it rank in your kind of international? There's, we think of beating Mexico here. Yeah. Where does winning the Gold Cup kind of rank in terms of your personal feelings of joy and satisfaction? I mean, to be completely honest with you, for me, it meant a little bit more because I hadn't been involved in so many tournaments, you know, over a long period of time. So, you know, you want to win one as a national team player. All the better national team players, you know, if you look at they've won one or a couple. So it was something that I just had to do. I, can't, I could not have that not be on my resume, you know. You, Michael Bradley, and Tim Howard He's were on LinkedIn. the veterans who joined the squad for the playoff games. When you're not in the squad in the US play against Mauritius and Nova Scotia and Atlantis, teams like that. <laughs> it's quite a good it's, it, um, or was that the anniversary can Atlantis I say, played? Can I, I say, remember. unless you play Atlantis away, on the uh, road, you don't know what <laughs> CONCACAF. I'll tell you, if you come out of Atlantis with a draw, you're happy. You don't, you don't often win down in Atlantis. Spain, go to Atlantis and try and win. How weird does it feel to watch on as your boys play without you? Oh, it's not weird. I mean, you can't, you can't be there for every game, right? So for different reasons, different guys are going to get an opportunity. And you got to support. Um, I didn't really watch any of the games. I was, uh, <laughs> you don't? No, no, I do normally, do. but we were on break, so I was on break. Do you, so did, was, you just... Do. I did, when I'm on break, there's no... There's no soccer. I'm not watching soccer, so I didn't know. I knew what happened, but I wasn't like. Do you just watching. like just like root for own goals? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he's please, a very no. he's a very dark no. man. Yeah, like you must it. understand. Please let America win five 0 but let them all be own goals. <laughs> what does break look like for you? How do you get away from the game? I actually went to Greece. I went to wow. Mykonos. Mykonos. Oh, Mykonos. I was gonna say. I was thinking when you said that, Abitha. Ibiza. And then it was why either going to be a like or Mykonos. A Bitha. I think that's why, why they say it. Yeah, but why do the English do that? You guys I don't all know. have the accent. I don't know, because English people go there and they get smashed at Pasha and they come out of there and they just say a Bitha. <laughs> it's David Getter. It's David Getter every Thursday night. So they His go fault. and do it. It's like, David Getter's fault. For ignorance and mispronunciation. David, your question is once you arrive, much of the action revolved around you. What? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I see you're, you're, you're hitting me. We do have a script for this show, weirdly. Wow. Once you arrived, much of the action revolved around you. <laughs> Here is the moment 
of moments from the 2017 Gold Cup. Let's relive this moment of sporting valour and heroism. The quarterfinals against El Salvador, the US up 2-0. Oh, we pick it up in the 57th minute. Stop. No, 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 we've got to get to this. This is an important international issue. Yes. It's a global epidemic, Josie. We must, we must, we stop must this consult, epidemic. We must consult with nipple violence expert ah. Stuart Holden, who is Stuart on the call. His, let's oh, roll the video. You see it right now, it's a bite, along with a twist. On Josie Altidore, that should be a red card. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Josie, I've got to ask you, what exactly goes through your head when you are one bit, and number two, given a, as they say in El Salvador, a purple nurple? <laughs> Serious question, do you not just want to give them a two-handed booby blister? Say booby blister? Yeah. We say that? Ibiza. He you said, said two-handed booby, two booby blister. How did you stop yourself and just be like, bro? I don't think that you would hope you're playing against a player that doesn't have... I mean, no disrespect. You could, but the men's game, you don't really have yeah. any players with... Can I just say, I've just suddenly learned uh, yeah. this is the difference between an average footballer and one who excels <laughs> at the international level. Matters. By the way, can we just say huge respect to Fox Sports in the same way as they have Dr. Joe, who's a genius. Can we hear it for Dr. Joe? <laughs> I mean, I don't quite know what Dr. Joe is a doctor of, but let's not ask hard questions. But the way he analyzes refereeing decisions, can we just say we are blessed to live in America where Stu Holden, a resident nipple violence expert, can just, we never take your nipple violence work for granted, Stu. Thank you. David. But that must have been a surreal moment. Please, t tell us honestly. Like, has that happened to you on a football field before? No, never. I mean, I couldn't... I didn't know whether to be mad, surprised, shocked. I was everything. At the, exactly the point it happened, yeah, you were like, then, what the... Yeah, and I went to the referee. I said, ref, you bit me. Like, what? Like, he's like, yeah, I didn't see it. I don't know. I was like, yeah, but I don't want to make that up. Like, he bit me to grab my nipple. Like, what is, what's going on here? And also, yeah, and he was like, he what? I was like, yeah, he grabbed my nipple. And he was like, oh. So it was just, yeah, I think we were both surprised, to be honest. Wow, well, I wish we had the tapes of that conversation. That would be amazing. <laughs> By the way, for next time, if you'd said booby blister, the ref, it would have waved in with those cards. All right, next time. But after the game, one of my favorite footballing quotes of all time, Bill Shankly said, they say that football is, is about life and death. It's more important than that. My second favorite quote of football all of time, my girl's mad at me. Oh, she's mad at me. She's mad at Romero because she's like, only I can bite you. <laughs> only I, only I, only I uh, can grab uh, your nipples. <laughs> oh, man. Now, Josie. Who says that footballers never say anything in the mix I know, zone? I know. Who says that? Sometimes tweets speak for themselves, Josie. Sometimes <laughs> they need to be expounded upon. Josie, the floor is yours. No comment. Oh. <laughs> I love the Fifth Amendment, David. <laughs> David, you, you, your nipples would feature prominently in the next game as well, Josie Altador. Yeah. The semi-final against Costa Rica. This game tied 0-0, 72nd minute. Let's have a look. Dempsey, that's a great touch. And a second as well. Now oh. rolled in, Altador's onside. 
finish. That was a great finish. Here they come. You look like you're wearing an Arsenal jersey. They're alive. Though. They're alive. There's your Paul there Ariolas. Your Paul Ariolas. Your Paul Ariolas. Come on. Dave <laughs> Clint. <laughs> Clint, majestic through ball there. That's what everybody's thinking. You've been, <laughs> you've been the mainstay of the US attack for so long. You've been through so many partners. From your perspective, how do tournaments like the Gold Cup feel? where you're shuffling through striker partners, like striker Tinder, swiping right, swiping left, <laughs> trying to find the right match ahead of Russia. <laughs> Do you sometimes feel, you've had so many, you've had so many strike partners, Josie. <laughs> I gotta go to the bathroom. Oh, you do, <laughs> you're gonna go to the bathroom right now, hilarious. <laughs> No, look, I mean, it's, it's difficult for everybody. I mean, there's a lot of quality in the team. You know, nothing, nothing's guaranteed. Uh, it's a lot, it's a different national team than it was, I feel like, uh, a few years ago. So it's exciting. It's difficult, but it's exciting because you always have to be better and uh, make sure you're looking over your shoulder a little bit because this competition's really high. Yeah, and more options. Definitely, yeah. it's a, that's a luxury right now. There are more options than there have ever been before. Yeah, and, and I, don't, I think it's more than just more options. It's more quality options, more guys that you can feel confident that will go in and put a shift in. And I think, you know, from a coaching standpoint, from players, that's what you want. You know, you want to know that the guy next up is ready to do the job and not miss a beat. More options, more competition, yet there would be one more moment of Josie Wonder, the final, the 45th minute Bye. against Jamaica. <laughs> 20 yards out, there to Josie. Let's see who could test Dwayne Miller. It's out to the over the wall. And that one is in. Josie out to the door. Josie Sigurdsson. I've got to ask you this. <laughs> when you're in the huddle before this kick, like. yeah. and everybody wants to take it, and Acosta's like, I was born for this minute. <laughs> And Michael Bradley is like, this is easier than the penalty for me, bro. Oh. And Tim Howard's like, I scored for Everton once, you know. <laughs> how, how, how would you get them all to step aside and leave it to you? Take us into that huddle, relive the conversation. It wasn't, it really wasn't. Oh, I don't know if you had it up there. It wasn't really much of a convo. I mean, Acosta wanted to take it, but I just told him I... I wanted it, and he was like, all right, it's yours. So. <laughs> Amazing how that Simple. happens. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Simple yeah. conversation, you know? It was all right. And have you, how often have you practiced the free kick that you went? Was it, once again, situational word? Was it the way the wall was set up? Was it where the keeper was? Or, or you knew that that was, by Rog. He's <laughs> a very weak bladder. Yeah. Was that a <laughs> very weak bladder? Oh, fucking hell. If there's a doctor in the house, if they could go back, is that a free kick that you sort of feel like exactly where you wanted to go and put it that you've, that you've practiced a number of times? Or were you improvising? Was that jazz at that moment? No, that's a position definitely on the training ground that I think any player you practice all the time, that's like the ideal range, right? You can get it up and over and down in time. So. And what are you focusing on as you run up to hit that ball? Is it like the contact? Is it, are you, are you visualizing it? What are you, what are you looking for at that point? Just getting it up and over the wall from that close, that distance, is, if you get it up and over, and it's enough to the corner, you got a good chance. And 28 yards, how many yards into that free kick do you feel like this one's got a chance? Yeah, yeah right when I hit it, I kind of knew already that I had a chance. I hit it well. It, 
it had good distance, so I, I, I was confident in it. And the feeling at that point when you realize it goes into the back of the net? It was, it was good. I almost showed my nipples in there. <laughs> I was happy. I was happy. Your, your nipples, no, your nipples had an amazing gold cup. They did. They had there's a really no, good gold cup. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Okay, the gold cup is now in hand. There are more trophies to play for in the next 349 days. First, MLS Cup. Last season in front of a sold-out BMO field, you, Michael Bradley, and Giovinco. MLS's answer to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. You snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in below freezing conditions to Seattle. As we reminded Michael earlier, you were one amazing Stefan Fry save away from having what likely would have been the game winner. That was off your header. When you went home that night, what were you thinking about after that game? Uh, drink. Fuck. Drink. So. Another one. How often have you thought about it since? Is it haunting you? Or is it the kind of thing as a professional footballer where there's so many games, so many challenges? You're like, as fans, we live and die. Yeah. Haunts us. As a player, you're like, done, next. Yeah. Or do other moments of rest and repose in Greece, wherever, where that just suddenly comes back and you have to synapse and push it back in a way? No, I mean, to be honest, the final was kind of tough, obviously. Um, every other game normally passes pretty quick, but the final... Being that it's the last game for a while, you have a month off, you think of it, right? You think about it, and I think it haunted everybody a little bit. You just wondered if you could give a little bit more, but I think a lot of the guys felt that they gave everything, so you know, hopefully we get another chance this year. I mean, your team play so exquisitely. Do you guys talk about it, or is it just there as collective motivation? Um, I think it's more motivation at this point. I mean, obviously, as the season winds down and hopefully we get closer and closer to, to get into that game again, it'll be more of a topic, but I think right now everybody kind of use it as motivation without saying anything. You've survived, I will say, and I'm not hyperbolic on this issue, the most vicious of nipple attacks. <laughs> You've survived your girlfriend's El Salvadorian targeted eye at Josie Altador. You have looked Michael Bradley in the eye and said, no, I will take this free <laughs> kick, so back off, friendo. Who's friendo? <laughs> just, just... It, it, it usually finishes quicker if you just be quiet yeah. and get through it. And you've won the first international trophy of your career. In short, to some eight, I'm beginning to believe there's nothing you cannot do, Josie Altador. All of which brings me conveniently segue to the 2018 World Cup. I've dreamed of winning that tournament since 1978. First World Cup that I saw, Mario Kempes, ticker tape, breaking Dutch hearts in Argentina. What do you dream of? What do you imagine in your freest mind when you would associate with these two words, Josie? Russia 2018. I mean, like anybody else, I mean, obviously, I'm realistic, right? But, I mean, I was, I was a young kid once, younger, and I had a lot of dreams. And my dream is to, to play in a World Cup and win one, obviously. I mean, easier said than done, right? But... <laughs> you don't go. You don't go there without the idea in, your, in the back of your mind of you know. You know why not us? So obviously, I think everybody will have that that mentality. Let me ask you. Uh, there's a, there's one human being who I live my life by. She's an, uh, a Chicagoan. You might not have heard of her. She's obscure. Her name's Oprah. <laughs> and she said once that the biggest adventure that you can take is to live the life of your dreams. Josie, do you believe? It's not a trick question. Because the answer is yes. Will the U.S. win a World Cup in your lifetime? In my lifetime? Absolutely. 
we admire your response, your dedication to the classic sales mantra uh, of under-promising and over-delivering. Your play thrills us, both for the US and mighty Toronto FC. We genuinely admire, Josie, how much you've done for the game in this nation. Absolutely, here, here. We wish you and yours health, happiness, continued success, and Godspeed, Josie. Appreciate Good it, thank you. Josie Altidore! I just hurt my hand on Josie's abs. <laughs> I'm going to go tonight. I don't know what is in store for us other than we're all going to go for a drink together. But I've got a feeling by the end of the night, I'm going to wake up with a Dare to Josie tattoo on my tramp stamp. <laughs> it's getting messy down there, Rog. You've had a lot of tramp stamps. <laughs> I, can, I can go over the Stephen Naismith one, I think, David. <laughs> I might be getting a Wayne Rooney one this season, Rog. It is, as I've, as I've tweeted, it is going to be the greatest Men in Blazers season ever with Rooney at Everton. Everton's Brian Urlacher. <laughs> okay, we need to wrap this up, uh, Rog. We want to thank all of our guests. Michael Bradley. Dom Dwyer. Free Dom Dwyer. Dax McCarthy. He's yours now, Chicago. Geiska Mendieta and mighty Josie Altador. And the big one, Roble! <laughs> we also want to By thank. By the way, you'll want to hang out with Roble today. He's yep. got two tickets. I know. We also want to thank. The night is young and Roble is. <laughs> I know. Armed with an enormous the greatest ticket. night of Roble's life. <laughs> we also want to thank Etihad Airways for making tonight possible. And we want to thank MLS and all sail, all who sail in her, GFOPs. We're now heading right around the corner to the Chicago Athletic Association on Michigan Avenue for a drink. It's about a six-minute walk. We'd love to raise a glass with each and every one of you. What a night, Rog. It's been... What a city, David. I mean, Chicago... Does any place have a deeper history of proving that anything, that everything, is possible? <laughs> and I say that as the countdown begins in earnest to World Cup 2018. Yeah. Yeah. We are just 320 days away, Rog, and I, I, I know you're going to be getting very, very overexcited this year. Quick check of my internal body clock tells me that it's just 7,608 hours away, mate. And the question you are nudging all of us towards, Rog, is how will the USA do? If only there was some baseball analogy we could use <laughs> of a team that everyone believed could never win Defying the naysayers, the haters, the doubters, proving them all wrong, turning it around, and winning it all, David. 
Yes, by the power of Joe Madden. Yes, Chicago, your Cubs had not won a World Series since 1908. I was three. Yet the hope, the dreaming, it never disappeared. Even after decades of disappearing Arsenal fan TV style. Blood fam, blood fam, blood fam. Chicago Cubs blood fam. I remember well the final day of that 1991 regular season. The Cubbies had been mediocre all year. They'd finished below 500. And a hero of so many of you in the audience tonight, and a wonderful, wonderful man, a wonderful Chicagoan, WGN TV's broadcaster, the great Harry Carey. <laughs> he closed the year's broadcast with these words. Too bad we couldn't have had a victory that meant a pennant. But that will come. Sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in a World Series. As sure, as sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in a World Series. And Harry capped that by saying, and maybe sooner than we think. He said, the nucleus is there. What year was that? <laughs> okay, it was a very young nucleus, very young nucleus. And lo and behold, last season, 3-1 down in the World Series. All hopes seemed dashed, but they never stopped believing. And the legend that is Theo Epstein later explained the spirit that overcame his players, propelling them to glory. He said, there will be times when everything you have been wanting, everything you have worked for, everything you have earned, everything you feel you deserve is snatched away in what seems like a personal and unfair blow. And Theo concluded, when these moments happen, and they will, will you be alone in your locker with your head down, lamenting, divvying out blame, or will you be shoulder to shoulder with your teammates, connected with your heads up, giving and receiving support? Chicago, you've seen something they said will never happen. You've seen it happen with your own eyes. As with the Cubs, God willing, so with the US men's national team. As Harry Carey would no doubt be saying as he looks down from that great broadcasting booth in the sky. As sure as God's green apples, someday the US men's national team is going to win a World Cup. May this be the year in which the US channel all that is good about a collective in search of glory against the odds. Let's leave you once more with the words of the great Theo Epstein as interpreted by Rog. And Theo, if you're listening, please consider becoming US soccer president when Sonal Galati retires. In Theo's words to our players, many of whom we've had on the stage tonight, and to those of us here, like it, Devo, myself, and all of you here who cheer and yearn for that next level. Will you be shoulder to shoulder with your teammates, connected, with your heads up, giving and receiving support? Good night, Chicago. We really love you, and Godspeed.